Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Amen and amen. Let's continue to give him glory. Give him glory. Give him glory. It is a privilege and an honor to be able to stand before you this morning. I've been tasked with the responsibility of proclaiming God's word today. Today we'll be coming out of Luke chapter 1, verse 39 through 45. Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. The scripture reads as thus. In those days, Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt or leaped inside her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside me. Blessed. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill what he has spoken to her. Today's title for this passage of scripture is, There Are No Small Parts, Only Small Actors. No small parts, only small actors. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, Lord, it is a privilege and an honor to be in your presence. Lord, I bless you. I thank you. I humble myself as your servant. I am nothing but a peasant or less than that. I come asking for your power. The same power, that same spirit that spoke <laughs> And empowered Elizabeth, I'm asking for that same spirit to reside upon me this morning. Help me to proclaim your way, your word with power. May your word have conviction. May your heart, the hearts of your people be encouraged. May they be challenged. And may your name be glorified. May I decrease that you may increase. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You, you may be seated. Be seated. Again, it is an honor, a privilege to be able to stand before you all this morning. Um, I've been given the task by our illustrious leader, the first among equals, Pastor Eric Mason, Dr. Eric Bishop Elder Apostle Mason, <laughs> um, my spiritual father, um, also 
in the vineyard with my co-laborers, my brothers, Pastor Mark, Pastor Mac, Pastor Vern, Pastor Nyron, and PC. I love my brothers dearly. These men are faithful to Jesus and they strive to, to, to worship him and they strive to shepherd you. And I love you dearly. I want to say thank you personally. A couple weeks ago was made mentioned that my family and I were going through some hardship and we still are. But I just want to say thank you for those who have been praying for us. Your text messages, your calls, your postcards, checking in. I appreciate it. My wife and I, we stand on the backs of your prayers. So I just want you to know that I thank you. I love you. As your elder and as your pastor, I spent a lot of time in the lab cooking up this meal. So I pray that this would be a delight to your taste buds and satisfactory to your appetite. For those who don't know me, I am a creative at heart. I went to a creative high school. I studied theater. Theater was my major. I love drama. I love stories. I love storytelling. That was my passion. That was my profession once upon a time, a long, long time ago. But I love stories. I love talking to people. I love listening to people, hearing their narratives, hearing their hearts listening to people and them telling me what's going on. I love the ability to be able to be in a performance and engage people and taking them on an emotional roller coaster. Dips and dives, twists and turns, contrasts and nuances. Hopefully, potentially climacting to a high point in whatever the narrative is. But I wanna talk about the greatest narrator in the universe, God Almighty, the greatest storyteller. If you want to know about stories, the Bible is one of the greatest literary works in all of human history. If you want drama, the Bible has it. You want comedy, it's there. Okay? If you want, if you want action, it's there. And any and everything in between. I want to focus our attention today about what God had done in the beginning of human history, in the garden. He sculpted man, created the universe in beauty and in an exquisite, eternal, divine fashion. The fall took place, and here we are today in our current circumstance. But yet, I want to point to a particular time where there was something cataclysmic upon the horizon and that was about to take place. Unknowns to them, the characters and the roles They've been casted, the stage had been set, the landscape of history was about to change. The lives of the figures or the characters involved were to be intertwined in their stories, both Mary and Elizabeth. How momentous for both of their lives, not only to overlap, but to be filled with greatness. The unfolding of their stories with a common ground both of their lives are not just naturally connected, but are divinely stitched together and deeply impact each other. One sets the stage and prepares the way for the other. The stage manager calls quiet on the set. Everyone takes their places. 
cameras are rolling. The director yells, action. In our time, I would like to focus our attention on Elizabeth. Elizabeth. For those who don't know Elizabeth, Elizabeth was the wife of Zechariah. Zechariah was a high priest. He was a high priest who served in the temple and he had this, this, this privilege and honor that was bestowed upon him who served in the temple where the presence of God dwelt among his people. Both Elizabeth and her husband, Zechariah, were righteous and blameless before God. They were pious. They conducted themselves in holiness and impurity. Yet and still, in spite of their faithfulness to God, their devotion, their commitment to God, their love for God, the love for the Torah, the word of God, the law, Elizabeth was barren. Elizabeth could not bear children. In spite of all of her faithfulness, she was not able to have children. Now you have to understand the weightiness and the magnitude of what it means to be barren. Sarah, Elizabeth, Elizabeth was an older woman. The Bible says that she was past the age of childbearing. For a woman to be that old and not have a child, who was going to take care of her? Who was going to look after and nurture and care for her and her husband? Barrenness was marked in antiquity as a means of divine judgment from God. It was a means of reproach. And it brought great disgrace from the community. One of the roles of women that God had created was the ability to be able to bear children. And not being able to do so, no matter how hard she tried or prayed, she was not able to have children. Mary, verses later, we see Elizabeth, many, well, many verses later, we see Elizabeth off to the stage, stage left, if you will, with the spotlight on her and the whole theater, the divine theater, being black. She is now conceived and now she's with child. She uttered these words from, from chapter 1, verse 25. The Lord has done this for me. He has looked with favor in these days and took away my disgrace among the people. I just want to pause just for a brief moment. I want to convey to you, please, I beg of you and I beseech you, rely on the faithfulness of God. Rely and wait on God's faithfulness. God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. In the midst of the mire, the fog, darkness, loneliness, feeling, ne feeling neglected or perhaps even forgotten, maybe overlooked. Maybe you feel as though that your prayers have never been answered. Does God really see me? This is how Elizabeth felt. But here it is. She makes this proclamation. God's overarching, God's overarching narrative is still being unfolded. In the midst of all of that, this is a hard saying that we must hold fast to. Waiting on God, trusting God. Even in my own experiences, my wife and I, we too have forgotten, you know, not forgotten, we felt forgotten, 
feeling as though we haven't been seen, neglected, been deprived, rejected. But one thing you and I must remember, the saga continues. The saga continues. God's redemptive narrative is still in play. Hold fast. Hold fast to God's faithfulness. Hold fast to God's faithfulness. In the blink of an eye, in another demographic, we see Gabriel doing what Gabriel does. Gabriel makes divine appearances, delivering divine messages, making divine statements. Pastor Kurt talked about all this last week. Y'all can go back and run the tapes and listen to the sermon. Right? But in light of what was told to Mary, this brings us to this particular passage. Verse 39, in those days, Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah. And verse 40, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. Verse 39 and verse, verse 39 40 tells us that Mary left with great haste. She left immediately. Soon as she received this word from, from, uh, from the Lord, from, the, from Gabriel. Right. She left immediately in a swift manner, not because she was commanded by the angel to do so, but because of this great news. Now, you have to understand that, again, Elizabeth was barren. Now, Elizabeth and Mary were related. We don't know the extent of what that relationship was. Maybe she was an auntie. Maybe she was a cousin. But for me, I'm going to just say she's a cousin. It just feels natural to roll off the tongue. Right. So Elizabeth Mary's about to go check out Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth is old. We don't know how often the frequency that Elizabeth and Mary have seen or interacted with each other. So from Mary's point of view, Mary, all she knew was that Elizabeth was old and barren. But now to receive word that she's pregnant and six months at that, I got to go see what's happening. I need to go to Judah and see what's going on. So she makes haste and she makes her way. Now, you need to understand, on her making this journey, this journey was not like going, to, uh, going down to Center City or going to Willow Grove. This was an 80 plus 100 mile journey, and it took three to four days. Not like, you know, you have a car, you can shave that down in like 15 to 20 minutes at that, but you had to do this on foot or at best technology, a donkey. <laughs> right? That was the way that she had to commute, as well as being as she had to travel such a long distance, she had to travel with a caravan of people. Otherwise, her safety was in jeopardy. Right? But what we do know is that she was informed, Mary was informed by Gabriel about her cousin, and she was six months pregnant. Right. Perhaps this was the motivation for her to to depart in the way that she did. But when Mary arrived, the Bible says that when Mary arrived at Elizabeth's house, she greeted her again. We don't know the formalities, you know, how some cultures, they greet one another differently. We don't know what that looked like. But all we know is that the Bible says Elizabeth heard Mary's voice and the baby that was with inside Elizabeth's womb rejoiced. And he leapt with joy. Now, Elizabeth had no idea that Mary was coming. Now, Elizabeth is on center stage. One reason I want to point out that Mary's visit was so significant and so important was because it was authenticated 
confirmed and verified to Zechariah and Elizabeth that Yahweh was in the midst of fulfilling what he had promised to, to Zechariah in the temple. This was what the angel had communicated to him. So by Mary actually coming, this was verifying that, right? And as a byproduct, God was going to cast Elizabeth into, her, into a role. He gave her a role in this grand divine narrative to ultimately fulfill his purpose by sending the great prophet, sending the prophet in the spirit of Elijah to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah through her as his mother. So now here, Elizabeth is now the mother of John the Baptist, the forerunner. Not only that, but her visit, Mary's visit, further confirmed of what was said by the angel Gabriel and that he had relayed to her what was truthful and it was verified and it was all the way legit. Verse 41, verse 41 tells us that when, well, yeah, verse 41 already told, you know, we talked about that. Tells us that as soon as Elizabeth heard the voice of Mary, immediately the baby with her in the womb leapt for joy and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. As soon as this happened, Elizabeth was not only filled with the spirit, but with unmeasured joy and gladness. John, the forerunner of the Messiah, just in case you don't know, a forerunner is someone who goes before, who precedes someone before them. The one who's behind them, in the back of them, is greater than them. Just to make it plain, the yellow pages of old was the predecessor to Google Almighty. <laughs> the horse and buggy was the predecessor to the automobile, right? John the Baptist was the forerunner. He was the one that was to pave the way for the coming of the Messiah, to turn the hearts of the people of Israel back to, back to Almighty God, back to Yahweh. It was here that John in the womb of Elizabeth, as a fetus, John, as a fetus, an unborn child, in the darkness of the womb, was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was filled. Y'all got to understand this. John, like, John is not like you and I. John was six months in the darkness of the womb. Let that marinate. John was in the darkness of the womb. And soon as Mary, he heard Mary's voice, he leapt and praised God, worshiped God, honored God. The Messiah had come. You have to understand the significance of John's role. John's role was very significant. Here it is in the Old Testament. There was a 400 year period of silence where God had stopped speaking to his people. There was not a prophet on sight for 400 years. Could you imagine not hearing from God for 400 years? I can't imagine not hearing from God for a day. More so 400 years. But here it is. God said that he was going to send his forerunner. And John was that dude. John was that child that was in the womb. And here it is. The Messiah was coming. And because the Messiah was coming, here it is that God, the ultimate director, is doing something new. Ushering into a new era. A new, a, a, a new era. Bringing in forth the new covenant. Amen. Amen. 
That was major. That was major. It was here, it was here that um, it was here that John fulfills and embodied what Gabriel conveyed to him back in verse 15 to 17 of, of, of chapter of chapter one. It says, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and he will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. This was John's role. This, why, this is why his birth was so significant. He was preparing the way for the advent. Announcing that, he, announcing that, that he would be filled with the spirit while in the mother's womb, John began to worship and to praise God in his presence. Now, let's look at this. Mary, she received the words of the Lord via Gabriel, right? The Bible says that the Holy Spirit would descend upon her and she will conceive. Now, she was told by Gabriel, Elizabeth was six months. Mary just conceived. The baby that's in her womb was anywhere between a, a, a week or so, give or take. Had no shape, no form, no nothing. Didn't have any, the baby that was in Mary's womb had no shape or form. He was a zygote. Like, like, you, like, y'all have to understand. Again, he heard Mary's voice. And John, six months old, leapt for joy and worshiped the presence of the Messiah. Worship the Messiah. How much more should you and I, outside of the womb, should declare glory and majesty and worship the one true living God, the one who was to come, the one who indeed came, the one who indeed was there, the one who was in their presence, Emmanuel, God was with them. God was there as a zygote. Elizabeth, because of John, was filled with the Spirit. She began to speak the voice of the prophets because the Spirit of the prophets was upon her. The Spirit of God. And because the Spirit of God was upon her, the words that she uttered from her lips were inspired and therefore God breathed. She spoke the very heart, the very mind of God. Her words had weight and authority. She immediately began to rejoice and pronounce great blessing upon and towards Mary because she was a young woman that was favored by God. She was chosen to carry. Mary was chosen by God to carry, to give birth, to mother, to nurture the very one whom she would one day have to bow down to and she would one day have to worship the very one who would have to die for her sins and the sins of the world? 
her son, the Messiah. Mary never communicated any of these facts to Elizabeth. She never said a word. She never said a single word to Elizabeth. You know how Elizabeth found out? These things were revealed to her by special revelation via the Holy Spirit. How did she know? The text says what, was, what, what, what Elizabeth knew was made known, authenticated, verified, and confirmed again by what Gabriel had relayed to her in verse 15 through 17, and it was happening before her eyes. So as soon as Elizabeth, not John, as soon as Elizabeth heard the voice of Mary, John started hitting her and in in, in started kicking her and hitting her with excitement. And because of his excitement and him pronouncing the glory and the coming of the Messiah, his praise was therefore eschatological. It had eschatological weight and implications about the Messiah and what was actually taking place behind the scenes. Elizabeth was able to do this. First of all, Elizabeth was only able to be pregnant because Gabriel asked the question, is anything too hard for God? Let's, let's examine this, right? Elizabeth's pregnancy, it was miraculous. It was. Not like Mary's, though. <laughs> It wasn't like Mary's, you know what I'm saying? Mar Mary's was just a, on a whole, on some whole other, you know what I mean? Now, Mary and Zechariah, Mary and El Mary and Joseph. <laughs> Bear with me, y'all. I'm like this with my kids at home. <laughs> Mary and Joseph ain't had nothing to do with that equation. They wasn't even involved. They were passive participants. You know what I'm saying? Now, what made Elizabeth's situation a little bit distinct was that she had a little Holy Spirit assistance <laughs> with her situation. You know what I mean? And Zechariah was an equal participant in that situation. So, real quick, let me just, let me, let me, let me paint the picture. I want y'all to understand. Y'all have to understand, this is why her, this is why her pregnancy was, was miraculous. The Spirit of God was in the midst and was involved. Zechariah played a minute part. The reason why this was so significant was because, one, this was a precursor to the resurrection. God brought resurrected life God brought resurrected life to Elizabeth, her body. Now, you have to understand, Elizabeth was old in age. Now, I say this very graciously. Very graciously. Elizabeth was beyond the age of childbearing. Menopause came and left.
everything was dry. That the, come back, come back, come back. Come on. Come on, y'all. Y'all not helping me out. But listen, listen, listen. Come on, come on. Come back, come back, come back, come back. Listen. But this is, listen, come on. This is what the Spirit of God does, though. Because of Jesus' advent, he brings resurrection life to dead situations. Because of the advent, because of the advent, the resurrection, this was a precursor of what was to come down the pike eternally. Don't y'all know? She's in, she's in company with some of the greatest matriarchs of the faith. You look at Sarah. Sarah was, was, Sarah was in the same category. She was visited by God when God and, and two, other, two other angels pulled up on Abraham and God asked Abraham, where's your wife? By this time next year, she's going to bear a son. The same thing with, with, with um, 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 no, Manoah, Manoah, Samson's mother. She was barren. The angel of the Lord, the Lord himself made a cameo to, 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 um, to Samson's father and told him she's going to have a son. The same thing with Hannah, not in the same fashion, but Hannah was barren and she cried out to the Lord and the Lord opened her womb. God is able to bring resurrected life into dead situations. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what areas of your life that you may have feel or felt or experienced death or that something has shriveled up and died that you longed for, that you wanted, you've been yearning for. God is able to bring resurrected power through that, to that. Being filled with the spirit, Elizabeth pronounced blessing upon Mary with her child twice. She knew with humility, excitement, and joy who was in her midst. For she not only acknowledged the child will be blessed, but she raises the question, how can the mother of my Lord come to me? How? She knew who was in her midst. And because of, because of that, she saw herself rightly. Elizabeth had a right and accurate assessment of who she was and where she was. You have to understand, Elizabeth, again, graciously, was the senior. She was older in age and therefore by status, she was the superior. You have to understand, Mary was the, the lesser. Mary was 12 to 14 years old. 12 to 14 years of age. But yet and still, according to our day, this is how we saw Mary and she was exalted above her own status as her superior. The reason being because she was the mother of her Lord. She acknowledged Mary as the superior because she was carrying the one who was greater than her son in her womb, the one who would bring salvation to Israel, the one who would bring salvation to the world and even for herself. By doing so, Elizabeth is also indicating her submission unto this unborn child. 
because she acknowledges him as my Lord. The, the term my Lord was a messianic title reserved exclusively for Messiah, according to uh, Psalm chapter 110, verse 1. And therefore, he had to be worshipped. Whoever this person was was going to sit on David's throne and rule for all eternity. Jesus fits that bill. She asked this, she asked the correct question. How can this happen to me? My Lord should come to me? Possibly indicating how unworthy she was, as well as how privileged she is to be in the very presence of Messiah, as well as hers, Mary, the mother of her Lord, being the main character in the grand scheme of God's redemptive narrative that was being ushered in. The privilege and honor that she had. The privilege and honor to be in the midst of all that that was taking place. And the Lord having given her a supporting role. God saw fit to cast Elizabeth into this role as John's mother. To be a part of this divine saga of redemption. I see where John the Baptist gets it from. John, I don't know if you remember, but in the gospel of Matthew, when, G when Jesus came to get baptized to inaugurate his earthly ministry, Jesus came to get baptized by, J by John, but John tried to resist him and he tried to stop him. And this is the question he asked. You come to be baptized by me? If anything, I should be coming to be baptized by you. John had an accurate assessment of who he was. Because he know whose presence he was in. How much the more should you and I? How should we have a right and accurate assessment of ourselves before the living God? The one who came, who came into the world so that our sins can be forgiven. Verse 45 Verse 45, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill what he has spoken to her. Elizabeth pronounces great blessing upon Mary in her second announcement. The word blessing derives from the Beatitudes where the term blessed, God having shown divine grace or favor upon someone. Why? Because of the fact that one, she made this proclamation about Mary because Mary trusted and believed what the Lord had proclaimed to her through the angel Gabriel, what he had communicated. She had faith, believing faith, that same faith that drove her to leave where she was and to come and see what was going on with her cousin Elizabeth. She had faith. The Lord was ultimately going to fulfill his eschatological purposes through Elizabeth's announcement about Mary and finally the faith that she had displayed that Mary displayed was juxtaposed to Zechariah you have to understand Zechariah was a priest in the temple doing the things of the temple in the very presence of God if anyone should have had an expectation about the coming of the Messiah the Levitical priesthood should have they've been anticipating for the day when Messiah was going to come but when the announcement was made to Zechariah there was a great measure of disbelief and uncertainty because of his unanswered prayer and because of that there was a, a measure of deconstruction that had taken place 
it also further affirmed, it further affirmed of what was spoken to Mary, was sure to come about, was to pass, validated what was spoken by the Lord, indeed was God's word. It was God's word. It was God's word. I want to land with this. This is the same invitation, this same invitation. I want to extend an invitation to both you and myself and to anyone else that might be looking or maybe listening to the world at large. Respond in the same like manner. Respond in the same like manner. Respond by faith. The same manner that faith that Elizabeth had. You know what it reminded me of? I think of Abraham. When the Lord appeared to Abraham, God told Abraham that you will, you know, if you can go out there and count the number of the stars in the sky, this is how many your descendants would be. Well, how can I know? The Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And because of that, he is now the patriarch of our faith. Elizabeth fell into that same, in that, in that same stream. She now is a believer by faith based on what God had told her. And now the Messiah is coming through her. I extend an invitation for us all to hold fast to God and his faithfulness. Hold fast to his word. No matter where you are, what has happened, it is extremely difficult and it is hard trying to hold fast to something where you feel your feelings are so potent and you feel as though it's not happening. God, I feel like you don't see me. I feel like you don't care. I feel like you're not with me. Hold fast to God's word. Hold fast to God's word. Hold fast to God's word. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We love you. We love you.